everyone, welcome back to another episode of Free Kick, the AFLW Fantasy Podcast. Yeah, another team in our Clubs and Days review. We're now up to the Sydney Swans. And of course, I'm joined by my co-host Liam. How's it going? Look, every other episode I've said, yeah, great. Uh, less so today. <laughs> yeah, so how's your face? Uh, yeah, look, it's been better. Uh, it's quite literally depressed at the moment. Uh, I was playing a bit of footy on the weekend and I broke my cheekbone in three places and I'm going in for surgery tomorrow. Well, look, I'm very grateful that you still actually want to talk and record something because your face is looking a little bit worse for wear at the moment. Uh, I can assure you that however bad it looks, uh, it feels worse. You just are so dedicated to the Sydney Swans episode. Will and I were like, would you like us to jump in? We can do it for you. And you were like, no, I want to talk about the Swans. (laughs) They're just filled with fantasy options. And I'm not kidding when I say they were the two favourite interviews I had to do all of this preseason. So I was very keen to actually be on the episode to talk about them. Yes. Well, why don't you start with giving us a team history? Team history, it's pretty simple. They played one season last year. They didn't win a game. They were competitive in a few. They were a bit too competitive against Essendon when I went and watched them at Icon Park. They were slightly less competitive when they hit Geelong in the final game of the season. But they really did look like, even if those results towards the back end of the year didn't necessarily show it, they were a much more competitive side and looked like they were going to be close to winning a game. And at time of recording, they played a match sim over the weekend and they managed to beat Gold Coast. Mm, That's a good sign. So I guess expansion club, we've seen clubs coming in in their first year, not always uh, smashing it to begin with. So to be expected, I suppose. We can expect a better season eight because we've had some interesting ins. Look, you're not kidding. The major ins are both going to feature prominently on the football field and in our fantasy teams because they've added from Collingwood, superstar, rising star, all-Australian Chloe Malloy. They've added former pick two Lucy McAvoy from Carlton, the mid-defender forward. And then they've also added a player that we have been fascinated by from Geelong, Laura Gardner, who has already copped about four or five mentions on this podcast to start the Mm -hmm. year from Geelong. So some pretty big ins, just a couple here and there. And then the only out of note is Molly Eastman, who's moved from Sydney back to Melbourne for study and has moved to Richmond. Yeah, some very exciting ins there. And I think even though we've spoken about them before, we're going to talk about them some more today. First, why don't we throw over to our interview, Liam? You mentioned it was a very exciting one that you liked. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the first interview we had was with one of you know the biggest names in the game. I'm sure you've seen them on the title of this episode by now, but also just one of the most entertaining interviews I've had. And that was with Chloe Malloy back earlier in the preseason. So yeah, go, on, go and join me for that now. Welcome, everyone, to this very special interview we have for today's Sydney Swans episode. I'm joined by new Swan and uh, former rising star and two-time All-Australian Chloe Malloy. Chloe, thank you so much for joining. How are you going? I'm good, thank you, Liam. Thanks for having me on. I'm pretty keen to to get into it. Oh, absolutely, and we're always keen to, to have you on. Now, I've got to start with the big question first. 
How are you feeling now that you're through the off-season between Season 7 and the beginning of Season 2023? Because it's been pretty substantial to kind of sell it short even. Oh, that sells it so short. Um, Yeah, I think you heard by my my slight reaction just before. Like, it was a pretty intense 2022. Um, I've described as a character-building year for me personally um, just because uh, the body... The body had, yeah, almost wanted to throw the towel in a couple of times. Um, and then, yeah, just honestly, every aspect of being a human was impacted. Like, I loved it and I actually probably wouldn't change it for the world because, you know, a year full, filled with football, one, I loved it as a player, two, you get, you know, sport for the fans, AFW was all year round. Um, that's a one-off. So that was pretty, you know, that's pretty special to have that. But um, by the end of it, for me, yeah, my back was shot I ended up having surgery um immensely emotionally just because we aren't in that um full-time capacity it did you know it take it took a bit of a toll um I'm grateful we had the year but yeah when when that final siren went um against Adelaide in that oh my god that game that storm game where we had delays after delays that was a pond um, over in Adelaide that was actually oh, ridiculous to watch in that quarter time break it was it was insane. Um, yeah, when that siren went, I was, yeah, a small, tiny bit of me. Obviously, I'm a competitor and, and losing absolutely hurts and sucks, and especially for it to be a final and how close we came. But, yeah, and a small inch of me was relieved that it was like, okay, like, wow, I actually have some time off now um, to reset, rejuvenate um, because the year was just full on. Yeah, and it – like that kind of leads me into my my next question, which is obviously you know we we've heard now you talk about how much you were managing pain and that back injury going through your games. I'm sure it was a relief in some ways to finish, but it it surely wasn't ideal timing that you had you know knowing that you were probably going to have to have some kind of rehab on your back and going into free agency. Surely that's just more weight <laughs> on an otherwise already sore back and shoulders. <laughs> yeah well I um I probably selfishly had pushed surgery back more so because um I'm a big like a big push for you know I'm a human first and I needed some time off and um I didn't want to be rehabbing during summer because we hadn't had that in so long so um I had pushed it back and yeah it was a pretty debilitating injury um I remember walking for a coffee and I'd have to go down into like fetal position almost just to like um release the tension neurally through my back and my hips so um I know every athlete has their gruesome injury but this one kind of like took it out of me um and then to get through the season with the you know the Collingwood medical team were absolutely so understanding Matt Pelosi um you know he was fantastic in managing me through so with the club but yeah there was weeks where I I didn't get on the track. There was one incident where I actually had I uh, the first time I touched a footy for the week was in the in the in the warm up prior to the game. Um purely because that's what I had to do to get through and this is what we do as athletes we put our body through absolute hell but um yeah I knew that you know it was going to be pushing it um and to to Sydney's you know in in grateful for them that they still wanted me um to come across for you know a long term deal despite knowing that I was about that like I had been going through surgery and funny story I actually signed my contract on the hospital bed after surgery no um way. for the Swannies um yeah and Alicia Newman had just popped in that morning um so former colonial teammate and now current Swans teammate um had came in and signed my contract whilst I was 
um, yeah, recovering from back surgery. So, yeah, it was um, it was an intense kind of time, but I'm a pretty chill person. So I was headstrong on that I needed time off and wanted that time off during summer holidays and not be laying on my back dependent on someone else. So, um, yeah, it all kind of worked out. And, you know, I sit here now and um, I'm back to full training and, um, you know, put pen to paper on a long-term deal with a club that I'm super grateful to be at. Yeah. And obviously, you know, we're those of us who are, who are playing fantasy are well aware of last year, as much as you were managing that back pain, you were playing a more substantial midfield role as well. Um, yes. And I think last season on the back of having pretty debilitating pain, I think you had averaged your highest tackles per game in any season that you've had, which I can't imagine was particularly comfortable. Oh, it was, it was agonizing at times and like getting through games and like, you know, shout out to all the, everyone who had me in their fantasy team and kind of stuck by me. Um, yeah, I was going through a bit and um, obviously in like the fantasy world, you don't, um, sometimes injuries aren't announced, so you don't really know what. So you see players performing and they can underperform. But yeah, for anyone that stuck me in their team and stuck by me, appreciate it. You were you were, you were were pretty popular um, kind of across both seasons last year. But I kind of want to move across to what you were just discussing, which is obviously you, you moved to Sydney and kind of what you've built up there. You've oh, There was a recent piece you did with Gemma Bastiani that was on the AFLW website where you talked about kind of wanting yes. to grow the game in Sydney and kind of using your personal brand and the, the brand that you built at Collingwood to help kind of grow it there. Was that kind of... And that's obviously you recognising that there's probably a bit of extra pressure coming across as the marquee player with the with the longer contract. Is that something that made it easier to sign for Sydney, knowing that you were going to put yourself in a position where you were going to hold yourself to that higher standard? Or was it something that kind of made that choice more difficult? Um, no, to be fair, it's pretty neutral, actually, Liam, only because um, I'm a little bit naive probably to how big of a um, role model or just even... Um, just the influence I have in the AFLW. I knew I have a little bit and, 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 you know, I'm hoping that I can use that up here in Sydney to push the game. And um, I've had a couple of conversations with people and they're like, you're, you know, you're so gutsy, the fact that you left Collingwood to come up here. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like, you know, kind of just brush it off and and, and don't think too much of it. Um, but I know in terms of, like, pressure, they there's absolutely none. The only pressure that will form is if I put it on myself. And I, I think... Um, a little bit more will come in the season, come close to the season because, you know, the storyline will be, um, you know, big name. Malloy comes in, you know, can she perform? And I understand that's going to come with it. And um, to be fair, like I want to lean into it and I want that sort of pressure from the media and, and I love that they're invested in it. And um, I think that's just fair when you come over um, on a long-term deal to a club that didn't win a game. You know, there is a bit of expectation, but... Um, I, I don't want to shy away from that. I would like to step into the spotlight and I know that I'm not doing it by myself. Like we had Lucy McAvoy come over, Laura Gardner, um, you know, we've got some Irish recruits coming over. So as much as, you know, I was the headline signing, um, it doesn't make me any greater than any other player that we came over here. Um, once we get on the field, it's, it's you know, you couldn't care less what tier a player is on. You couldn't care less what, what contract they've got, um, how many games they've played. It kind of just is an even playing field. Um, but you know, when that pressure does come, I know that I've got good support around me and, um, I would like to say I'm pretty resilient in a sense that I've been around for a little bit now, played for Collingwood. So you cop the small support of the media street there. Really? You really probably haven't got many Um, eyes on you. It's like pretty sheltered (laughs) community. Exactly. Um, but you know, when that comes, I'll deal with it then. And, 
um, you know, I've just got to focus on getting myself right. Um, and then hopefully, you know, come the season, I can step into that, into the shoes that, you know, they want me to fill because um, that's what I came up here to do. Yeah. And, you know, before you've kind of preempted, it's almost like you've read my questions ahead of time. Like I've, I've been <laughs> here about how Lucy McAvoy and Laura Gardner are going because they're very relevant for, for us fans out there to kind of see how they're going to fold in. But what we actually want to hear is, how are you looking your role? Because you mentioned earlier that uh, you're back to training full time and it sounds like the back recovery is going well. How has the off-season gone and kind of what do you envisage your role being in this team given you've played basically across every line at the AFLW across your seasons <laughs> at this point and even in the last two seasons you've been highly changeable between forward and midfield. What's it shaping up to be at Sydney this year and kind of going forward? Yeah, I think um, even though touching on the names that you just mentioned, Laura and Lucy, between the three of us, I think um, we'll probably it's 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 you know it's no secret. Um, I played mid forward last year and proved that I could do that, and um, that was that was lucky because well, not lucky. That's a really bad time, but like Britain Bree were out, so I had to step into the midfield role and prove that I could play that. And then um, yeah, the vision, Scotty's vision for me coming over was to play a mid forward role. Um, you know, similar to last season. So um, that's kind of where I'll be looking at. And preset, like, you know, in the off season, um, I'm back to full training, probably just been the last week that I've just been managing loads, just getting kilometres back in um, into legs because we had such a long off break, um, off season. Um, but I'm, I'm training really well. Like I, the girls' skills level and knowledge and IQ of football is like exceeded my expectations of where they would be at, especially coming from, you know, established finals team um, to, to Sydney. It was, you know, it's, it is very different programs, but um, they are so much further ahead than I think they be, like think they know that they're at. And, and then also they're much further ahead where I thought they were at. Um, so it's been, it's been a really good preseason. We, the girls, the, the crew before I came here had been going since December. So um, it's, ex- block, it's an exciting time. Yeah. Solid block is even an understatement. Um, yeah, early morning sessions since December. So, yeah, I think they're, it, it's pretty exciting to be um, a swan at the moment. And I can imagine, you know, everyone kind of knew going into the season that they they had the youngest list of the, the four expansion clubs. And so whilst unfortunate, zero wins, that's probably a, a driving force as well. To, to the training and there's probably some expectation or, or belief in there as well. Yeah, kind of- it, it, to be fair, Liam, it's like it's actually like not a driving force for them as much as maybe what like externally people think and, you know, um, you put it on paper, like I didn't win a game, but, you know, were they set up for the, um, you know, the were they were they set up to win a game? Like we, we saw how quickly the teams came in. Scotty Gowans, you know, they didn't want to – I love the way he built this list. Um, and that was a reason why I wanted to be part of it because I love that, you know, they didn't they didn't rush anything. Yes, as much as they were rushed to come in, Scotty Gowans left Collingwood, you know, uh, a few weeks out from the end of the season to come build a list over here. So he was dedicated to the fact that he left a program to come build this. They didn't rush. They didn't get players that they wanted, um, but they just didn't give out hammies. Like they didn't just go, yep, you can have a contract, you can have a contract, come play for us. They're building for long-term success, and I know every football club is doing that, and every program is. But I just love the way he just didn't give out freebies to anybody. They didn't land someone, but that's okay. We're, we're gonna, you know, we'll get through this season. 
Um, girls had 24 hours to decide, some of them. So yeah, it's wow. almost like a this is like the first season for the Swans. Yes, you can't disregard last season, but it's like, all right, we've got our first proper full season. Some of the girls can settle. They've got, you know, moved into new houses. Um, they've set up their life here and it's like we can like launch from this season, even though it's season two for the, the Swannies. Um, I feel like this is a really good opportunity to actually prove and show to the league and to everybody else that like this is what the AFRW Sydney Swans program is. Yeah, and obviously we were, kind of, we were following very intently kind of in the community what was going on at Sydney and we could see that there were little pockets even building last year of, of, of some real talent, particularly in some of the, say, for example, the key defenders and and some of the kind of outside players in the draft. You talk about big contracts and I've mentioned, we've both mentioned them already, but Lucy McAvoy and Laura Gardner both come in having, you know, from different pathways, but both come in kind of mm-hmm. as highly talented players and, and well-regarded how are they going fitting into the team and kind of what do you envisage their roles being in season eight? Well, it's actually quite easy for the three of us to fit into the program. Um, we've been welcomed like really well. And um, I think Scotty and Kate have chosen the people that do fit into the culture that, you know, the Swans are building. But um, big boy McAvoy, she, she had her shoulder issues, but she's overcome them. She looks fit. She, you know, her knowledge of the game, um, I've always played against her, but never with her. And um, we've actually built quite a, a nice connection in that, um, you know, we haven't talking about it, just coming back off the track. Just when she's got the footy, I, I just get excited because I'm like, oh, she's just going to hit me. Like, she's just got the skill and the execution. Um, and I know that she's going to make me look good. So she's absolutely flying. Um, uh, like, she's been going between mids and forwards. Um to be fair, the two of us have, and I think that's why Scotty brought us over, um, is to kind of work as a, a duo in, in a side, a big team. And um, Laura Gardner, I actually didn't know who she was before she came over here, but um, I think that is a disservice to her because she is an absolute weapon. She, I, I actually can't believe she, oh, like I didn't know who she was. Um, she is like her speed and, and like she's just so fierce at the footy and just like for someone, you look at her, she's quiet, doesn't say a lot, but oh, when she gets on the footy field, she's just like a menace. She's absolutely everywhere. She she can run. She's got aerobic capacity. She She's fast, finds the ball so easily. She's a tackling machine. Yeah, and I think in saying those two things, if the fantasy people can figure out where she's going to play, I'll let them, I'll let them to it. Um, yeah. But yeah, she's a gun, an absolute weapon. So she is someone that I can't believe I didn't know of. But yeah, I'm actually so glad to be on her team. And and I think part of the reason why the fantasy community is so intent on on seeing her, like you know, at least the people on the pod, we've been keen on Laura playing because she had a BFLW season where she had a run of game where she averaged basically 150 points. Um, because <laughs> she tackles, she was averaging 40 plus possessions. And watching that Geelong team, that is a stacked midfield filled with like round one draft talent. It's a very difficult and there's a very tight group. So it was always kind of like if if there was ever a chance to break in, she clearly has the talent. And, and having watched a couple of those VFLW games, like it is evident watching her play how fast and how much attack on the ball that she has. So it is great to hear that that has come through 100% in the <laughs> AFLW program at Sydney. So that is 
about the best tidbit that you could have given us from from the preseason. <laughs> um, the other player that, that I want to have a quick chat about is is another midfielder, maybe slight, comes with slightly more regard kind of nas- nationally, which is Montana Ham. I think <laughs> having watched games last year, it was pretty clear that Sydney were trialling a lot of different players in a lot of different roles. There was yep. a game where Montana Ham was tagging Jazz Garner which I'm sure is possibly the most difficult role kind of going around week to week. The most difficult role, <laughs> yes. Pretty much. And then there was another game against the Bombers that I was watching and she played off halfback. What has it, like, how is she looking kind of coming in on a, on a full preseason, not having to do schoolwork anymore? And will she be playing midfield this year? Yeah, that was like Moni's um, biggest thing last year. She's a big family person as well. And you're putting yourself out there as... as being so young as she is and um, she's not extroverted. So it was a huge move. And then to still do year 12 amongst it, like just hearing how she got through last year and the fact that she wasn't, you know, she didn't go to trainings with the team, but she'd like play with them. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, how did that even work? Uh, But this is just what they did. And um, she's a great investment and and, um, she's someone I'll be playing alongside for a while as well. But um, she, she, she doesn't say much. She's, um, she's really monotone. Like she just goes about it. She's so classy, and you know when when she's on, she's absolutely on. And um, I think moving, you know, not to to go on a spiel, but like moving away from family into Sydney has its challenges. So it's a really it's a bit of a roller coaster. And I've experienced that a little bit, but I'm a lot older than than Mon, and probably um, you know have built up resilience just through experience. Um, but she. She wants to learn. She doesn't. She doesn't give you much, but you can just tell that she's always listening, um, and she's just she's just watching what you do. And um, she she, I think she'll roll through the midfield. I think for Mon, she's just so talented, and Scotty Gowan probably just wants to find the right spot for her on the footy field. So um, I would like to say she's going to be in the midfield, but you know we have a pretty stacked midfield. Um, you know, especially with the three Laura, Lucy, and myself coming across it. Um, I think you need to have your best players on the field and, and Monham is definitely one of them. So um, she might, uh, like, Scotty is a genius too. So he, <laughs> I could see him playing her off the halfback if she needs to get involved in the game, playing in the midfield, playing in the forward line. I think she's one that would be difficult to put in a single position because she's so talented and she's young and, and she's just so, trying to figure so out her body. And so tall. And so tall. It's like a Patty Cripps almost, like a Patty Cripps midfielder. She just doesn't figure her body out. And I think her role in the AFRW isn't established just yet. But I think within the next two years, we'll be able to call her a single title. So I actually think she might play across all the lines, depending on how she's going. And and she's she's a kid still. Like she's a kid who last year was, you know, injury riddled and school riddled. So. Um, I, I think she might go across all the lines, which is not good for fantasy people. But fascinating to hear as well that there could be some some you know runs where she she does kind of dabble in different positions. Now, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I had a full question that I wanted to ask you about Cynthia Hamilton because if you if you say Montana Ham is monotone and very cool, calm and composed, watching Cynthia <laughs> play last year, that is a very expressive and up and about player in the forward line. Um, <laughs> And I know that you mentioned her popping on down to kind of help you at the academy in that article that I referenced earlier. So clearly very invested in the club as well. But this is a, the, the kind of last question we ask. We ask it to every one of our interviewees. 
Who at Sydney do you see making the kind of biggest leap, either from a, a gameplay importance perspective, from a media perspective? Who's going to see the biggest bump this year? Oh, as in terms of impact on the field. On the field, like influence? who's going to get, yeah, who's going to influence the game? Who's going to get the biggest pop in their influence on the game? Or, or who might be someone who's more recognised for what they do and how good they are? I I think um, Ruby Sergeant Wilson. She she had she was injured last year, um, but she's been training the absolute house down. And she she's almost a balance. Um, she's got a bit of Cynthia Hamilton in her, and she's that she's fiery. And um, you know, if you cross a teammate, you know the first person will behind you will be Ruby. Um, she's got she's got speed. She's got endurance. She just runs the outside like so well. And I think she's got really good skills for, for someone who works, operates at such a high pace as well. Um, so I think she'll probably step up her game. She's been training the house down. Um, and I think her name will do her justice because it's a cool name to say. Um, yep. So once she, once you have that name in your mouth, Ruby Sergeant Wilson, I think it's one that's going to stick around. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for all of the kind of tidbits you've given today. And for those who have made it through and listened Chloe is the first interview that we've done where there has been some prior fantasy knowledge that we've chatted about beforehand. So this has been highly relevant and thank you so much for jumping on and and giving me your time and and all the listeners your time as well. No, thank you. Thank you for all those that made it to the end and thanks for those that put me in their team. Well, I'm sure you'll be relevant again this year and you'll be in many, many sides (laughs) and we'll be actively following you and the the rest of the Sydney team. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Liam. Thanks Thanks for having me on. Cheers. Oh, that was a great lesson. Such a big name to get for an interview. I mean, she's she's one of the biggest we've had. That's absolutely amazing. Um, Liam, what was what was your highlight from that interview? Aside from the fact that she was just so clued in fantasy wise, uh, and setting aside those fascinating stories she had about playing injured last season, easily by far and away the best bit of that interview was hearing her talk about Laura Gardner. Because the way she talked about the fact that she came to Sydney not really knowing much about her at all and then being like she does literally everything. Like how did (laughs) I not know about her beforehand? This is ridiculous. So, I mean, you absolutely loved that interview and that was fascinating to listen to. But we've also actually had a second interview with this one. Uh, Lauren Segetti, Tachimai Segetti. Oh, my Lord. Tachimai (laughs) Segetti. Absolutely nailed that. Um... (laughs) How was that one? That was also very, very good, if only because she has a completely unique story in entering the AFLW. And with that unique story comes a unique perspective of actually being on that Sydney roster last year because as good as Chloe's story was, a lot of it was about her transition to Sydney and what it was like now. Lauren had that first-person leadership group level of insight that truly made it a great interview. And for anyone that's sticking around to listen to our fantasy rundowns, I would highly recommend sticking around to the end of today's episode where you can listen to that chat with Lauren. You'll notice there's a couple of mentions, two things raised in that interview throughout the rest of today, but I could not recommend it more highly. Yeah, we'll chuck that one at the end of this episode. So stick around and listen for that one later. But for now, we've got our... One, two, three, four, fives, the fantasy picks. First up, we've got someone that, you know, we've already spoken a lot about. You're very excited about them. I can see why you wanted to do this episode. Take us through your number one. 
it should come as no surprise that it is Laura Gardner because she is quite simply a VFLW fantasy freak and was completely locked out of midfield time at Geelong, which was something that made all of us a little sad because what she did at the back end of the middle of the year season in 2022 is truly stupid. She averaged 35 touches and 116 fantasy points in that VFLW season, but at one point she managed 155 points of 49 touches. Wow. In a game not against Witches Hats, against Port Melbourne with players from the Richmond list. So a stupidly good fantasy game would be the most touches anyone has ever had in an AFLW game if she did it. She is a freak. I know you just gave those stats, but averaged 116 fantasy oh, points Oh, yeah, a yeah, game. yeah. That's, in, that's insane. I mean, like, we get excited when someone gets over 100 in a game. This is their average. That's huge. Yeah, she is uh, as someone with a legit fantasy game, and I've already mentioned it, but Chloe talked her up as being like she does literally everything. She runs, she tackles hard, she gets the ball. She's this kind of quite like understated personality person, but puts in the hard yards and sounds like she will be in that midfield group and she will be anchoring that midfield group. She's even more value in – so she, she was already high on my list of players to pick, even mm. if she was just a midfielder. I think she's too much value. I think she's someone who can average 70-plus, and she's going to come into the season priced at 45. Mm. But throw in the fact that in AFL Women's Fantasy, so the official platform, she's a forward, bang, she's got to be on my side. Absolutely. We love seeing players listed as something other than midfield that are going to run through the midfield. That's always what we look for, and I think Laura Garden is just – ticks all the boxes, has the opportunity, has shown the game, has the pre-seasons under her belt. I just can't think of any reason you wouldn't be picking her. I just hear in my head your voice, she's in my side. <laughs> yeah, legit. Uh, oh, golly. So that's a no-brainer. But your number two pick here, very interesting. Not only interviewee, I guess, but someone that we've previously talked about maybe being less fantasy relevant after their move over to the Swans. Talk me through your logic for Chloe Malloy. Yeah, I can talk you through my logic. When we did that episode, we hadn't talked to her. Yep. For one. I think it's the fact that since we did that first episode, we now know she's going to spend more time in the midfield. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes across and leads to more fantasy points. But then also coming out of that interview, hearing about how injured she was for the majority of last year, the fact that she rocked up to some games not having touched the ball for that entire week's worth of training is ridiculous. Mm. I'm therefore pretty comfortable in saying that she can get above that 68 points because that would still have been the highest scorer for Sydney last year. It's not yeah. as though you can't have decent enough scorers in expansion sides. You saw what Tilly lucas Robb was able to do. Maddie Presbarkas was able to have her best average last season. I think that it's not necessarily a situation where Sydney was incapable of scoring points. I think that the addition of Chloe Malloy, a healthy Chloe Malloy as a mid-forward, can push her average into that 70s range, probably high 70s if you had to ask me what she was going to end up with, which puts her at F2, F1, depending on what you think Chelsea Randall and Karen Paxman and Nina Morrison can do. I think she's well in that group. I think she's undervalued as a result and therefore is someone that's in my side. Nice. So priced at 68 and you reckon 10 plus potential? I would say, yeah, 10 plus potential. Somewhere between 75 and 80 is where I reckon she ends up for the season. 
Yeah, so we've definitely got a bit of a trend here. Number one and two, both listed as forwards, going to be in the midfield. We Absolutely. love to see that. So your number three, this is a player that we've definitely spoken a lot uh, about in previous seasons before they moved into the Swans. Who's your number three? Uh, number three is your favourite player, Mel, because you mm. trade them in after round one every year, and that's Lucy yes. McAvoy. And that's because I think that she comes in and she probably plays a role that is either mid-forward, which again I think presents upside on her value of her price state of 52, but it's also the fact that even if she were to play some time in defence, I think that was the thing that Sydney really missed last year was an older head who was a possession-heavy mm. defender. We saw that the most possession-heavy defenders at the Swans last year were Molly Eastman and Ella Heads. Molly was playing her first season of AFLW, um, even though she had been playing a fair bit of VFLW and actually had been a co-captain at North VFLW team before the season. And then Ella Heads was 18. Now, Lucy will come in and probably be in a position where she can take a bit of a, a leadership role, kind of play the same role that we saw Karen Peterson play for Carlton last year, which is a midfielder up around the ball, but then drifts back and is really a bit of a marshal across the defensive line. Lucy, not in our interview, because obviously we didn't get a chance to do it, but did a great interview with the Credit to the Girls podcast where she talked about how she has just played across so many different lines through her junior career and then also at Carlton. And it's just because she has such a great understanding for the game that it's she's just a bit of a fix-it player. I think that no matter where she's asked to fix it at Sydney this year, she probably still presents upside of, you know, 60 to 65 points, which mm-hmm. again puts her, and this has been a bit of a, a consistent theme, is trying to pick players who can push themselves up into the top five averaging defenders where we really don't have any locks for above 65 like we have in mm-hmm. the past where in season six we had Emma Swanson who played as a full-time mid. We had Beck Webster who played as a full-time midfielder. We don't have that right off the bat by the looks of it this year. So Lucy McAvoy is someone that I'm currently putting in my side because I think she has upside no matter where she plays on the park. Outside as a full-time full forward, which if she does do that in the preseason game is probably the only reason she's not starting in my side. So, so far, you've got your one, two, and three picks from the Swans in your side. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> nice and swan heavy, love it. And and just foreshadowing, my, the fourth one might also be in my side. <laughs> okay, I mean, so your number four is some advice that we got from the Segetti interview, um, which, you know, stay tuned to listen to shortly. Who you got here? I have the player that Lauren Segetti says is most likely to improve or make a big impact this season, and that's Ella Heads. If only because I think it points to what what Lauren described was all the hallmarks of a second-year breakout, someone who is really taking a bit more of a leadership role at training, has a beautiful kick, took a lot of kickouts last year, and will only come into the season priced at 40. So again, just looking for that 10 to 15 points of upside, and we also know that it's a Sydney team where even if they do improve this year, the ball will still spend a decent amount of time in defence. I think that she is someone definitely to consider for your side. Now, I really like Ella Heads, and I say this knowing that there's a distinct possibility that Lucy McAvoy spends more time in defence, which I think Mm. pushes down the likelihood that Ella Heads can have enough upside for me to feel comfortable to pick her. But at the moment where 
Chloe has described Lucy being a mid-forward. I think Ella Heads is a prime target to improve off that half-back line. Okay, awesome. And to clarify, she is listed as a defender? Yeah, listed as a defender yep. in both AWF and MM Fantasy, mm-hmm. priced at 41 Are you continuing the trend? Is your pick number five in your team? No. But I'm, I'm going to give you a bit of a narrative on pick five because I have ummed and ahed over this a lot. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting one. Yeah, and it comes down to basically what I've heard from the match sim, but mm-hmm. I think there are a number of players you can pick here, but none that I'm going to say I'm very confident on. Originally, I was considering going Montana Ham, but the way that both Chloe and Lauren describe what she looked like it's not so much that she doesn't look like she's going to be a gun at some point. It's more that it does not sound like she's going to have a consistent role this year. It sounds like mm. she could be dropped behind the ball, put in front of the ball, run through the midfield, and that's what led to some of her lumpy scoring last year as well. Yeah. If we got word she was going to be guaranteed a position in the midfield, I think she would be much higher on this list because I think she has the most potential of any draftee from last year, if only because of her like physique. So to clarify, we actually still haven't heard the name of your number five. Yeah, well, I wanted to talk Not about Montana, Montana Ham. <laughs> okay. In fairness, I thought you would take Montana Ham given she wasn't listed here as the Mel special. So I was like, well, uh... I have to give some narrative on Monty Ham. Um, the player that I have picked is Sophia Hurley. So if Montana Ham was pick one last year, Sophia Hurley was pick five for Sydney. Mm. So that was Sydney's second pick. She's a gun outside midfielder. She was the best and fairest for the Sandingham Dragons in underage footy in her final year there. She came in and didn't necessarily come out all guns blazing. She'll only come into the year priced at 44 in both formats as a midfielder. The reason why she's in here at number five is that there have been multiple match reports, both written and then also listening to Gemma Bastiani talk about her. Apparently, she was the best player on the ground when she played. Now... Mm. It's probably just a name that we're going to keep an eye on because we really don't know that much about her, and I think she fits a really awkward price bracket in the midfield. But I also think there's very much a world where she does become that explosive midfielder, that extra burst of speed that I think Sydney missed last year. Mm, Yes. So starting a bit of the mid-price madness there with a uh, midfielder priced at 44. Yes. Okay, Mel, I will throw to you. Who do you have as your 44-priced, mid-priced, Magis midfielder, Mel Special? Yeah, so I'm kind of taking a similar vein with my Mel Special. Um, I'm going with for someone that's quite close to your heart, I imagine, purely because your weekly articles you wrote last year were named after her. Uh, this is oh, Amy yes. Whelan from Whelan and Dealan. I could see your face. You were like, where is this going? <laughs> Well, in fairness, Jono also did a majority of the writing for those articles, so I was really feeling bad for the Jono erasure again. Oh, okay, shout out to Jono for his fantastic article name. I'm going with <laughs> Whelan and Dealan, Amy Whelan, mid-pricer, uh, mid-pricer, midfielder, priced at 46. The, reckon I, the reason I reckon that she's going to be great, and I know that this is uh, a mid-price madness take here, so, you know, it's a special for a reason, but um, she only played three games last season, so she's coming in. Uh, with a discount. For everyone else, I'm going with the official game prices here, but for everyone else that's got a price stat at 46, their dollar value is somewhere around 650k. She's coming in at 550k. So obvious underpricing there. Bit of value there already. Yeah. She is the second 
highest um, priced at Sydney mid. So she's coming in at as Sydney's second highest priced at mid. But the reason I think she's particularly exciting is when she did play, of which there were only three games from last season, she had 53, 83, and 58 CBAs. So she was definitely in amongst it. And I'm actually not too sure why she didn't play the other games of those seven. I assume it was just a naming thing. But if she's uh, named in round one, uh, she's already underpriced and she's well up there in the CBAs, taking the majority of them on the games that she is playing. Great potential. What I haven't really considered for is how this fits in with some of the team shuffles in the midfield. But I think that the fact that she is 100,000k cheaper in the official game than anyone else gives you, if you see her names, good good price-making potential there. Yeah, I think you've kind of summed up why I think she's a risky pick because I believe that there will be better midfielders that roll through this year. But I also think that she's one player that can average enough tackles at the very least mm. to set a decent floor to her scoring because she averaged five a game last year. She yeah. did miss a bunch of games through injury. I think it might be one that she is a sideways or upgrade target from a rookie throughout the year if we do see an indication that she's a permanent midfielder because I do like that tackle game. I really think that for those mid-priced players, you want to see a consistent basement. Way that, to make points, yeah. Th- and that's not that's also just not, not going to kill you week to week. Like It's not like she's mm-hmm. going to serve up a 20. Like that's probably the worst you can do if you average five tackles. Like yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty good place to start. So I think that that's why I think, it, yeah, it's, it, this is a real special. This is really going deep in the bag. But there are definitely reasons why it's a name you should remember when it comes to upgrade slash sideways season. But again, this is one where we're definitely going to have to trust our eyes on roll. I'm going to slap a will uh, watch and wait on that one um, and call it a day for my special. So thank you, everyone, for listening to our clubs and days for the Sydney Swans. We've got only two teams left, which is exciting, getting towards getting towards the end of them. Have a look at our Instagram for our best 21 for the Swans, and we will be chucking up our next couple of episodes in the next few days before we get onto some other exciting pre-season content. As always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at FreeKeekWPod. Where can they find you, Liam? Uh, they can find me in a hospital bed recovering from surgery, and then they can also find me on Twitter at Liam AFLW Fantasy. Oh, oh I imagine you're going to have nothing better to do when you're laying in your hospital bed than tweet about some AFLW stuff, so I'm sure they can read all of your great content there. For sure. And I'm on Insta as HiMelD. So we will chat to you all later. And don't forget to listen to tuned. the interview. Yes, stay uh, for the yes. rest of the interview with Lauren Zagetti. Yes, enjoy that. Bye. See ya. G'day, everyone. Welcome to this, a very special bonus second interview for today's Sydney Clubs in Days episode. And I am joined by cult hero from season seven, Lauren Zagetti. Lauren, how are you going? And thank you so much for jumping on. I'm good, Liam. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. So... I know that uh, a lot of our listeners are aware of kind of your meteoric rise coming in as a rookie last year and jumping straight into midfield as a captain as well. That's a pretty meteoric rise given you've been playing at Hawthorne BFLW the season prior. What was that experience like from you? What was the jump? Um, yeah, it was definitely pretty surreal. I mean, um, whilst I was playing at Hawks um, and even playing at Darren BFL before that, all I wanted was 
to crack the AFLW. And so it was, I guess, a huge relief when I finally did. Um, somebody gave me the call and said he wanted to offer me a contract for the Swans. Um, but, yeah, ending up being captain was definitely something way above my expectations of <laughs> what I, I guess, expected of me coming into that year. Um, so it was, yeah, it was hugely surreal. Um, but I was, yeah, very lucky, very grateful to um, have that position. I think it's something bigger than, like, even just being involved in the inaugural team, it's something much bigger than any of us as individuals. And we probably won't realise how special it was to be a part of it, let alone being one of the co-captains until we're finished playing footy, I yeah. think, because it's such a such a historic thing. But it was, yeah, quite like surreal. It's, it's historic. But were you given like, yeah. any indication when they were like, look, we want you to come on board? I'm sure that would have been a high enough moment as is, given you'd been, you know, playing VFLW for, for quite a number of years. Did they mention, like, we want your leadership group, captain? Was there anything like that? Or was it just like, yeah, we want you to come down, we want you to play midfield? That was it. Yeah, no, it was just fully, here's your contract, like we want you on the team. And then um, within the team we had um, all the five other girls in our leadership group who are all quite experienced, have played a few years of AFLW and um, I think it was kind of almost expected that they would kind of form that group because they were the most experienced players in our team. Um, and so it definitely wasn't expected that I would end up in there and there wasn't any conversation early on um but I just kind of went about my footy how I always do and um I guess I have high expectations and standards for myself and I probably lead more with by doing things rather than saying things and so I guess people just caught on to that and I ended up in there but um yeah I was also so lucky to be in the group with those five girls um the others in um Woody, Lisa, Priv, Mads and Brooke because I learned so much from being not only teammates with them, but in the leadership group with them. So very cool. And I, I don't think it'd be a surprise to say that the kind of industrious inside midfielder who loves a tackle probably is a lead by example kind of leader, put your nose over the ball. So I think that uh, that's certainly not a surprise to hear. I think kind of moving along to that, I, I obviously can't speak to having been inside the playing group, but being inside an expansion club that, struggled to, to to didn't get a win last year obviously and we've, we've had a chat with Chloe Malloy so we're kind of across the fact that the coaching staff didn't have high didn't didn't set expectations last season but for you having played in that team last year what was the coaching staff like in terms of dealing with week-to-week results versus like a bigger plan for the roster two three five years down the track yeah I think Scotty and the rest of the staffing group were really we were in it for the long haul we weren't there to win the premiership in the first year we we were there to build a culture and to build a team um and to build almost start creating a legacy that's going to last years down the track when none of us are playing anymore the girls that come in are going to just slide into the culture that we've created and I think that was the biggest thing last year creating that um and we weren't there definitely was an understanding that we were so inexperienced compared to the other teams um, and there wasn't an expectation to win heaps of games, to make finals, to win the premiership. It was the expectation to just keep getting better every day and taking 
as many learnings as we could out of each game. And there was a bit, we highlighted a, the fact a lot that if we won or lost each game, we'd review it exactly the same and that it really did felt like, feel like we did that. Um, even though it was a loss every game, we still reviewed it um, the same way as what we would if it was a win, took the learnings out of it and went into the next game with a genuine belief that we could win it, um, which I think is something really special. Even going into round 10, we still felt that we could we could win the game. Um, and I think that's off the back of the way that the coaching staff went about it, um, just didn't lose their cool and um, tell us that everything was <laughs> no good. We just, yeah, kept our kept our heads in and focused on our own internal KPIs that we wanted to focus on. And um, throughout the season, everything got better, um, which was yeah, we almost would have been nice to have a few extra rounds, I think, because it was coming. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Like you guys were like rounding into form. Uh, and yeah, I think sure. as well, at least externally, I've always kind of envied the kind of idea of the Bloods culture and how that has kind of been fostered at least through the men's program and it looks like there's been a concerted effort in the AFLW squad to kind of engender that same idea. Surely if you can lean on that and foster that, that probably actually is helpful for an expansion club kind of. It can help to temper yeah. expectations but then also say like we know how to do this, we know this works. Yeah, absolutely. There's been such a focus on the culture side of things and we um, we did – Put a real focus on setting really high standards and expectations for ourselves even through the first year maybe if we were kind of overshooting with those expectations or standards it was we still had them in place and really wanted to hit those and set a good um, standard for the years to come and I think that having the club being so immersed in the importance of culture and the boys have shown over the past um, 20 years how important and how like it's just the cornerstone of a club to have a good culture um so especially being immersed in that blood's culture it's going to hold us in good stead for the years to come uh moving along to, to something else i wanted to chat about you had a pretty tumultuous off season having had what looked like some pretty serious neck surgery what was that process like and then kind of how is your recovery going it sounds like from what i can read online you, you're back at training but i can't imagine that was easy few months <laughs> yeah yeah, it was a pretty difficult few months. Um, I'm just, I have returned from training um, as of the past month or so. Um, but yeah, I had um, I had to get a disectomy and fusion on my cervical spine. Um, I guess we we found it at the end of last season. Um, and so um, yeah, when met with surgeon and he said, yeah, like if you want to keep playing footy, probably got to get surgery and so in December we even got it done because we knew it was going to be um quite a long recovery um like minimum six months so I guess it's the only time that long off season is a good thing because <laughs> got it done and then I got to be missed I think two or three weeks of um proper pre-season and I was back in with the girls so yeah, the recovery process was long though. I was had to wear a soft collar for um, four weeks and then another two months after that when I was in the gym um, and just really starting back from square one in the gym with the loading through my spine and, and the running and things like that. But I took a lot of learnings out of that for sure and 
um, the biggest one was definitely just being happy to be out there playing footy because there was a real possibility that, that I wasn't going to be able to do that if I didn't decide to stay in footy or um, if it didn't work. Because, um, yeah, before that I I had like my whole arm was numb and my I didn't have any strength in my left arm. So that was – I wouldn't be playing too good footy with that. So happy that I got it done, the recovery's going well and, yeah, I'm back. Yeah, geez, that's a pretty confronting uh, situation to have to go with. I, yeah, I don't. <laughs> I, that's yeah. I yeah, wouldn't want to have to go through that myself personally. So I uh, admire the the kind of capacity to come back from that. And I, I don't know. I, I've had myself back injury. I put stress fractures in my back. It's not the same as a spinal fusion, but it's <laughs> makes you. It does make you realize how much day to day you actually rely on not thinking about yeah. how straight and healthy your back is and how your neck's yeah. going and everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Lots of loss, lots of learnings in terms of posture. <laughs> oh Jesus. Oh yeah, don't don't I don't feel like I really no. want to go into the details there. I feel like I'm gonna no. get ripped. Don't don't rupture a disc. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> well moving on to kind of the next things I want to talk about. You were a kind of a core part of that inside centre bounce midfield group last year but I don't know if you're aware but Sydney rolled more than anyone else any other team of just a sheer volume of players through last year how is that kind of inside midfield group looking this year particularly given you've added Laura Gardner who sounds like she's come across to be a midfielder after struggling to break into a, a stupidly talented group at Geelong and then also mid-forwards in Chloe Malloy and, and Lucy McAvoy, who by the sounds of will also roll through. How is that midfield group shaping up kind of this off-season? Yeah, it's so exciting. It's so exciting having the additions um, of those three who just bring so much experience and the way that they train, the standard and the intensity that they train at, it brings everyone else up with them, um, which is, yeah, we're so lucky to have them. And... Um, yeah, we definitely rolled a few through the mids last year. I think it was another side of just knowing that it was a, a year of learning um, and just figuring out who plays best where and what combinations work best. And so um, it's probably shaping up a bit differently this year, um, but still plenty of people. Uh, the midfield group is always the biggest group, so it's still got plenty of people rolling through. And I guess now it's just finding what that best combination will be and probably um, kind of sticking more with it rather than throwing the whole team through the mids. But everyone's kind of got their, um, even through the mids, everyone's got their second or even third position that they can play. So just right now all we're doing is trying to find what combination across the whole field works best um, and you know, moving between the lines, but probably going to be more solidified this year, which will be nice. Because uh, for context, we did one of our first interviews last year was with Brendan Tarrant, who we knew as a key defender at from Melbourne. One of the first things she says is, oh, yeah, no, they want me as an inside midfielder. And that was in the preseason. So we got an insight pretty <laughs> early that things might be a little yeah. different at, at Sydney uh, for yeah. season seven. Uh, interesting to see then kind of what that final midfield group will will shape up like because – Setting aside that kind of super talented three trio that, that you've brought in kind of with experience and and a sheer volume of, of possessions and, and games, you've also got some uber-talented 
high draft picks that rolled through last year in, in Montana Ham and, and Cynthia Hamilton, who at times last year just lit up quarters with either their speed or their height, strength. How do you think they will, will fit in this year? Have we've, we've heard from Chloe that Montana might be a little bit behind the ball at times. Cynthia is obviously an extremely kind of like impactful forward, but then also had some great minutes in the midfield. Yeah, yeah. Both of them are just such exciting players to watch. They're, I guess they've almost got a bit of Dustin Martin about them when, when they want to turn it on. They just run through a pack, run through anyone and kick a goal. So they're so exciting to have on our team. Um, but yeah, I think because of that, the talent that we've picked up through the midfield, it makes us, it gives us the opportunity to really utilise key down forward or lock down forward or down back um, and use the running ability. Um, that Mon has and the big marking and goal kicking ability that she has. We don't have to rely on them um, winning contests and clearances through the midfield. So that's super exciting for us. Um, I think both of them are going to um, definitely improve on the season they had last year. Che obviously winning our club champion. She had an awesome year. But Mon was doing year 12 at the same time. So she's got, yeah, crazy. So I think now she lives up here. She's settled. Um, I think she's set for a really big year too, which is super exciting. Yeah, we, we love to see that. Like the, what Montana Ham was doing, game one, oh. looking like, to be honest, like bump. Like that's yeah. this behemoth who just makes it look at all too easy at times. Yeah, too easy. <laughs> we, we, uh, I, did, I did mention this with Chloe, but she also probably had the hardest role in any one game this year when she it looked like she tried to tag Jazz Garner for a full for full four quarters, and that yeah. is probably the hardest role in the league, like bar none, particularly last yeah. season with the impact that she had. So be fascinating to see where where the pair of them end up. Kind of the electric ability of of Cynthia just kind of blew us away at points, and I remember a couple of times going, "Wow, like I don't know if this person can be stopped once the ball is in their hand." So we're very excited yeah. and. Interesting as well that it, it won't be that they're relied on in the midfield, but it looks sounds like they'll be used as the change of pace, electric ability kind of this season. Definitely, yeah. That impact player that, you know, that if they're around the ball, they'll probably get their hands on it. So yeah, yeah. good assets to have, that's for sure. That, well, leading right on to assets to have, there's three players that I want to talk about because we really don't know much about them. And that's the yep. three rookies you guys picked up from Ireland. You've got Paris McCarthy, Jennifer Higgins, and Julie O'Sullivan. There's really not a whole lot out there at the moment about what the club expects of them this year. Are you able to give us kind of any insight on what's kind of going on internally? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess because they haven't played AFL before, um, they're kind of getting thrown through all the positions and just seeing where what matches with their own strengths and their abilities because they didn't a lot of them I guess don't even know for sure what their strengths are yet so um it's kind of finding the position that works well for them I mean they're all incredible athletes um incredible runners um as you'd expect and um just such hard workers like in at the club all the time practicing their kicking watching vision um so it's been awesome to have them there because it kind of lifts the rest of us up and can you give us any indication on any one of them, what position you expect them to play, and and if you if you're like, look, that we don't even know internally, that's totally fine. Um, yeah, like probably, I guess having the running ability. I know with Julie, she's just like pressure 
insane amount of pressure um, through her running ability and just her competitiveness. So um, she's been training down with the backs recently. Um, but as I said, they uh, moved around, so could could change depending on performance, depending on injury. But I think she's been um, settled down there for the past couple of weeks, which has been really good to see. I think she works well down there. But, yeah, they're all just so ready to go wherever the team needs them as well, which is obviously having no play. They don't know what their favourite position is. They don't know, know where they want to play. So um, good asset to have. When they're like, oh, yeah. can you just go trading down with the halfbacks today? Yeah. No need for the time. <laughs> no head down. Yeah. Oh, yeah, fine. Okay, I wanted to play for yeah. you. fine. That's going to be, fasc- <laughs> exactly. I think gonna be the, fascinating to watch. For sure. I think they're being a bit naive about it. It's just, yeah, it's it's good for them and it's good for everyone else as well because they're happy to just go out and do their thing wherever they play. Yeah, and yeah, that infectious kind of obsession with sport is always an yeah. asset to have at any level of sport, kind of anywhere. Well, absolutely. unfortunately, we've now come to the last question on my question list and it's something that we ask every player that we have on for an interview and that is who do you think at Sydney is going to most substantially improve their game in 2023? Outside of yourself, obviously, kind of coming in <laughs> an extra year of experience after a season as a Um, I think, I think probably Ella Heads. She's, she had a good year last year, but I think she's got, she's just been working so hard and she's, but every every part of her game has improved, and the way that she trains is she just she lifts everyone up around her. Um, and she's really come a long way in her leadership as well. Um, especially through the backline, and being so young, I think she's got she's got a big year ahead of her, which is going to be super exciting. Very interesting because she was someone that we didn't kind of expect to have that kind of key kick out role mm. last year. So fascinating to see that you that's the that's your pick because. Yeah, the kind of potential was definitely there. She looked like she had a pretty elite kick too. Yep, yeah. Um, Can't wait to see it in action again. Well, you can uh, join the club then because we're all very excited to see how Sydney go this year and there's a lot of fantasy-relevant names to come. Unfortunately, that's the end of our interview today. But, Lauren, thank you so much for for coming on. It's really uh, a wealth of knowledge for uh, this upcoming season. No worries. Thank you, Liam. Thanks for having me.